The gospel reading for this morning comes from Matthew's gospel, beginning in the fifth chapter at the first verse. And Matthew wrote these things. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. And those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. And arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions, and this is what he said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. And that's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. And that's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, Count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens, give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? O oh Lord, we give thanks for all the saints, the great, the not so great, the courageous, the faithful, the bold ones, and the timid ones who loved you each in their own time and place. Help us to use the days that you have given us on this earth, mindful that this side of life is terminal. Help us to savor the moment for our lives are your gifts. Open our minds, our hearts, and our ears to your word for us this day. Amen. I don't know about for you, but the last couple of nights, I think, have been scary nights. All these images of ghosts and ghouls and vampires and it gets to be a scary kind of thing out there. 
So do you know where your kids were and what they were doing? If you're like most parents who want their kids to experience the traditional excitement of patrolling through their neighborhoods, trick-or-treating for Halloween goodies, you went with them to watch and to protect them as they ventured out into the dark streets of town. However, the one place you probably did not take them the last couple of nights was to the graveyard. And when we think of All Saints Day, I think that's a good place to think about. You know, in the past, if you wanted to visit a graveyard, you wouldn't necessarily go to one of today's memorial parks or fancy mausoleums. Instead, you would go to the church. The graveyards of the past were planted firmly around the church creating a visual community of the quick and the dead. This is the way it's supposed to be, the quick inside, the dead outside. For believers, it became really important to be buried in sanctified, hallowed ground, from which also rose the church building, the center of the living saints, worship life, the communal cemetery, the final resting place, for the generations of saints who had lived and died as believers were all gathered in one place. It has been at least four or five generations now that most of us have found nothing very comforting or hollowed in a graveyard. Graveyards, I don't think, are any longer seen as hallowed ground. We've been exposed to too many cheap, creepy, missed-in-the-graveyard horror movies to see cemeteries as anything but haunted and bad. I think moving our burial grounds away from our worship centers in some ways has broken our sense of the fellowship of the faithful. I think we have really forgotten that the majority of the church is underground. So when you stop to think about it, Church graveyards offer a real visual answer to the question of one's ultimate loyalty, one's final response to the question, to whom do you belong? The common ground of burial ground overruled allegiances to families, tribes, clubs, cliques, to whom do you belong? You belong to God. You don't belong to your parents. You don't belong to your community. You don't even belong to yourself. You belong to God. Now, the church graveyard also reminded us of one other important thing, that it is never, ever hopeless with God. God's power, you see, works best, I think, in graveyards. Ask Lazarus. Ask Jesus. Ask the widow of Nain, ask the centurion. We could go on and on. So I ask you this morning, what's happening in your life? Are you ready to give up? Do you think it's too late for even God to help? Are your plans dead? Are your dreams dead? Is your hope dead? Remember, please,
God's power works best in a graveyard. Now, all of those years ago, Jesus went and sat down on a hillside, a mount, and he began to teach. And he talked about blessings. And if we listen closely, we come to realize that he is simply blessing the people in the particular situation of life in which they might find themselves. Perhaps the real surprise of Beatitudes is that God would be revealed in such common states of existence for marginalized people. Jesus spoke into those margins. Holy food, spiritual nourishment, not just for the worthy, after all, who is worthy, but for the really hungry. Not alone for those whose spirits soar but especially for those who are wanting. Not alone for those whose grief has been resolved, but especially for those whose grief still grips them deeply. Not alone for those whose faith is powerful, but especially for those whose faith is quiet and secure. Not alone for those who have fulfilled the law, but especially for those who want to be right with God even though they have yet to experience such a state. Not alone for those who love with forgiveness and forgive with love, but to those of us who feel we don't deserve love, but to whom it is given anyway. Not alone for those who have worked for peace all their lives, but also for those who dare to let God convert them into becoming peacemakers. Not only for those who live in places where justice prevails, but especially for those who devote themselves to ensuring that which is right should prevail everywhere. You see, Jesus teaches that we are connected with everyone, that the marginalized are included in large ways, and that God's presence, God's blessing, resides with us regardless of the circumstances of our lives. We come to see and understand and embrace this connectedness, and then we start to see others from God's perspective. It becomes a matter of seeing how we find our true selves in the knowledge that we all belong to God. It is a sense that all of creation is crucial to God, that we are but one self in this entire world, and that our very existence depends on relationships. So by now on this All Saints Sunday, on this first Sunday, where we examine our stewardship and dare to ask, where is your treasure? you might well ask, what does this have to do with any of it? And I think it's everything. Those that have gone before us, whose remains lie in hallowed ground, wherever that may be, have made it through all of the various life circumstances of the human condition. They now fully understand what it is to be a part of the cloud of witnesses that still surround us in this place, 
whether or not the physical presence of a graveyard is here or not. Their lives of faithful witness, their willingness to participate in the life given them here has made all the difference for us. We have inherited a treasure from them, a church that still has a vital witness in this world. They shared of themselves, they shared of their treasure, that all of this might be so. The Beatitudes remind us of God's presence in all of life. We cannot experience any part of the human condition apart from the presence of God. It will not always be easy, but perhaps we find that God is most powerful in times when we are most aware that we cannot do this alone. And this sense of connectedness affirmed through the teaching and life of Jesus is central to our treasure. It is in the living of faith-filled lives that our treasure is spent. It is in the living of faith-filled lives that our treasure is ever increased. If we were ever to live our lives consistently focusing on our resource, on that which is most valuable to us, we would find that we could never expend the treasure that has been entrusted to us. So I ask you this morning, quite simply, to think of what it is that you really want to invest in and just simply compare it to where your treasure finds its home. And if there seems to be a disconnect, it's time to work on bringing those two things back in line. Amen.